Welcome back to a Bite of D&D podcast where we add flavor to your games and campaigns. I am Zach, your host, and my co-host sitting across from me is Micah. And today we're going to be talking about the worst skills in the game. Now, that's a, <laughs> that's a very subjective statement. And if you're uh, coming here looking for a fight... This is a good one to get it on. Yeah, exactly. Probably. I... I think that we're probably in agreement, but I know that we're going to say some things maybe on here that, that you're in complete disagreement with, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, I'm sure that you all run games different than maybe we do or I do, um, and so maybe some of these lesser skills are of utmost importance in your games. And, hey, and let me maybe ease the tension a little bit from the get-go. If you're disagreeing with me on these skills, it might very well mean that you're doing something right, because uh, I think the reason I have issues with these skills is them being underutilized, not because the skills themselves are bad. Yep, absolutely. So what we're going to do is we're just going to talk about these underutilized skills. So obviously some skills that we're not going to be talking today, just to kind of give the scale a little bit. The other end of this would be like stealth, perception, sleight of hand, sleight of hand, so universally arcana. These are ones that like every game, you're going to have multiple roles for these skills between all your players. And it you know if you're not if you are a sorcerer and you don't pick up arcana what are you doing you know like that sort of thing if you have the opportunity to pick up perception and you don't to a large extent what are you doing right at least someone in every group if not everyone will have most of these skills so. right so on the opposite end of the spectrum is something uh, one of the skills that we're going to be talking about today is medicine. And in that case, like, when have you, have you ever seen a character that is not a designated healer that has the medicine skill? And not only that, that they are excited to take medicine. Yeah. It's one of those things, like, I think the one line of text that it gets as a description is basically, you can use your medicine check to stabilize a dying creature or to diagnose an illness or disease yeah that's it and and here's the here's the ridiculous side of that is okay so as a healer almost certainly you have spare the dying spare the dying even just a powered heal or something like that as you're healing other people in the area is still going to yes so but at the very least you have the free cantrip spare the dying you know you're going to pick that up early on because at least nobody's going to die on you, probably. And it takes a full round to you, or, a full, you know, your action to use, just like the skill's going to take. There's no difference except that it's the skill... automatic. Yeah, the skill of... takes a check, and maybe you're a nice DM, and you're like, oh, just roll above a five. But even still, it's a check. You can still roll a one. Yeah. yeah. And then the other skill that we are going to pick on a little bit more today is performance. And again, I don't think... It's the skill that's the problem, but I think it's how a lot of people utilize it within their games. Yep. I mean, again, it comes down to, like, maybe with medicine, it's like, oh, the healer has that. And then performance is like, oh, the bard would take that, but nobody else does. And again, I mean, maybe that's applicable to some extent, but I would hope that these skills maybe have a little bit more to offer, or maybe could we could find ways to promote them a little bit more than what we've done so far within our games. So let's dive into this a little bit more now. We'll, we'll hit back on medicine real quick. For me, this one might be a little bit more limited in the total amount of things you can do with it, but I think it has 
far more useful applications than it currently gets, which I think might makes up for its lack of overall utility, right? So with medicine, I think it is, again, this is a thing a lot of you experienced DMs probably do, but someone who is new to the game, new to running the game, looking at that this skill and they get that one line from the book, may not think of these things as they're they're running their game. So one of the most I feel like blatantly obvious uses for this is you've got someone in your your party who's got an apothecary kit, uh, something along that line. Uh, allow them to make some potions and downtime and stuff using this. Um, it makes them feel like they're contributing, and they they are if they're providing potions to your party. But allows them to feel like they're doing much more to contribute, and it doesn't feel like the skill was wasted when everyone else is making checks on the regular for, you know, sleight of hand, stealth, those, those big, big core ones. Yeah, another way that I think you can implement the medicine skill is sometimes when you're calling for that nature check when you're out in the woods and you are needing to cure a disease or whatever. Someone's burned real bad, yeah. you need a salve to, yeah. to ease things up. So often you're like, oh, you're a druid, roll a nature check, and that's perfectly reasonable and acceptable, or even a survival check, I think that's sometimes applicable. But I think that for the right character in the right moment, that medicine check is going to be just as good or better. And I think you can encourage it by saying, by drawing attention to the fact and say, hey, look, typically if you roll a nature check, it's going to be a 15. But uh, if you want to roll your medicine, you know, the DC is a 12 on that because you're, you, you are using specific specialized knowledge. Well, and I think this goes to, to use a real world, world example, if you're in a crowd of people, it's generally pretty easy to pick out faces you recognize. You can spot a friend from across a crowded room pretty easily because yeah. you latch onto those features that you recognize. If you know everybody in the room, as you scan the crowd, you're going to be thinking about everyone, right? You, you yes. know, you know some of everything. When you have trained in medicine your entire life, you know exactly what these medi- like these plants do. You may not know everything about the bush that is shadowing it, providing a nice damp place for this fungus to grow right yeah. but you're going to recognize the fungus so as you're scanning you know the the forest the plant life the the things that you recognize are going to jump out and i think it's reasonable to say that the dc then would be lower because there's only very specific things that you're going to recognize and that you're going to want to use and i think it's important then to draw attention to that from your players so that they see oh this is a skill that I didn't really care about or that I just took on a whim but and, and other players maybe didn't take it all, but because it's so specialized, I'm getting a benefit from that specialization by a lower DC when it comes into play. And I think then players start to value those skills, even though they might not use them every game, they, they're they happy to have them still. They like having that ace in their back pocket at that point as opposed to it just being like, well... I'm a healer or I'm a bard and I took this because it's a skill that made sense. Yeah. And then this one, again, I think is a little bit better than medicine and it, I would say almost certainly more widely used. But I think that it doesn't get used as often as it could. Like we mentioned, it makes sense for like a bard or someone to pick this up. They're, they're going to play and perform in towns, taverns, stuff like that. But maybe you're playing kind of a swindler rogue or maybe 
your background just happened to be a merchant who was selling shady items, passing off some cool-looking rocks as magical mm -hmm. items, something like that. It would make sense for them to have performance. Often, uh, I believe the background that that comes under, I believe they get proficiency with a disguise kit. So maybe instead of doing a deception roll to get information out of this person or to sneak your way into this castle, they utilize that disguise kit. They act out this part, and you, you allow performance to be used for more than dancing and singing and, and the stuff listed under the skill. Yeah, deception is so often the death of performance because in so many games you have an adventure that you're trying to do you have a mission you have a quest that you're trying to accomplish and most of the time that does not involve juggling to entertain children right you're juggling to be a distraction so that the party can slip by behind or you're putting on your mask and performing as a nobleman or as a merchant when you are definitely not that so that you can talk your way into a, a situation. And so often I see, and I've been guilty of this myself, is I'm like, well, you are trying to, you're basically lying to their face by telling them that you're something that you're not. So that's a deception role. And that's true. But again, I think we're missing the key thing here, which is that they are performing. Yeah, being a nobleman is not just putting on a new set of clothes and telling a lie, yeah. right? You have to act the part, you have to walk <laughs> the part, and it easily falls within performance. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who have already used this for that, but again, this is for those new DMs, the people who read that text, you know, next to it in the book, and go, well, this is what I have available to me. Yeah. And I think it goes to show that there's a lot of flexibility within the skills that a lot of people don't utilize or, or maybe allow within their games. And it's one of those things, again, with medicine, where I think if they're performing and they're acting out the part of this nobleman, I think they should get either a, a bonus or a lower DC to make that check because they're more involved with the process. Yeah, and also, like... You, you might be tempted to say, well, roll a, pers uh, a performance check, and if you do well, then you can have advantage on your deception roll. But I think that's where the kits are supposed to go in. You know, if you're using a disguise kit, then you get advantage on your whatever, you know, on your skill checks or whatever, like, to, dis to slip your way past. Like, there's already a system in place for advantages, granted or not granted. I think that this is an area where what we're looking for is a skill, let's roll one skill, let's not get caught up in, in layering multiple skills that all apply. Let's just pick one and go with it. The kits are the kits are there for the other side of things. Yeah. Um, but again, this is just to give them a little bit more flexibility in how they're used because those major skills, especially uh, the, the biggest culprit that comes to me is, is sleight of hand. Use it to pick locks. Use it to pick pockets. To disarm, like which, which is not even like that's the thing. Is like we, I think, what sleight of hand is not really a fault of that skill. I think it's a fault of that being the only dex-based intricate skill there is because because sleight of hand should not be how you disable traps and it, and it, it it isn't. You're supposed to roll a dex check, but. I don't do that. I'm like, you need to roll a skill. That, that's what makes sense. That's where you can get your proficiencies at. And, and don't get me wrong. I like that everything was simplified. Overall, this is a much better system than what was available in, For in sure. 3 or Pathfinder and stuff like that, where you had 5 million skills 
and it was a headache to try and keep track of everything. But again, there are just some skills that are very dominant, and this is just to try and bring these lesser used ones up and a little bit more relevant in line with everything else. And that kind of will lead us into investigation. Another, again, solid skill on its own, but I think a lot of times it gets replaced with perception. Yeah, it's one of those skills that I really, when I saw... Uh, the, the character sheet for 5th edition for the first time, I was like, ooh, I like this. I didn't know anything about it, but I saw Investigation, I'm like, this makes sense. And then I read the rules, and I was like, how, how often am I going to use this, and how often, like, Perception ended up dominating what I thought Investigation was going to be used for. Yeah, like, Investigation is used for discovering traps, for delving into research as you're trying to find some information on some stuff, and, and real in-depth study of things. But the in-depth study of things isn't going to come into play in most campaigns nearly as often as, say, traps or uh, hidden doors, things like that. And unfortunately... Perception also covers those things yeah. in the text for this skill. So, so many times, perception is just the main catch-all. And investigation is, while I think more thematically interesting, because anyone can be perceptive, right? But I think it's a more studious mind, a little bit more specialized thing to, to really get in there and investigate. And I kind of wish that perception did not include the magic doors and uh, traps and things. Well, here's it. here's what I... This is kind of what how I end up, ended up ruling it in a lot of my games, is that perception is just that passive scanning that, you know, I'm walking down a dungeon's hallway or down a stairway, and I'm just keeping my eye open for traps. Okay, roll a perception roll. Okay, you rolled high enough. You feel like there there's something off with these three steps. Okay, now roll an investigation roll to see if you can determine where it is. It's that close examination of something um, is where I start calling for an investigation check. Even though the the rules as stated would say, nope, still perception, let's keep going with that. I kind of like using that like up close, like, hey, I'm going to pay attention to this spot as the investigation. Well, and the other reason I like that is because knowing there's a trap there does not tell you what it does. Yeah. And if you investigate that, you can either have a better understanding, because you don't know if when you pass over these steps, it's going to trigger an alarm, or if by stepping on them, it yeah. triggers like a pressure plate. Yep. Um, so investigation gives you a little bit more info into what it is, and maybe how you can utilize that against maybe some enemies that are chasing you or uh, something like that if you had caught it before you got up to that room where you uh, walked in on a whole group of guys just waiting around, kind of Han Solo-esque moment as he runs into the, the room full of stormtroopers on the Death Star. And I don't think that that's too complex of a distinguishment between the two to where it's going to confuse your players if you're just like, hey, when you're being intentional, when you're getting... When you're looking at something specifically, it's investigation. When you're pouring over notes, it's investigation. When you're going to from person to person in the bar and asking them where they were on the night of the 23rd, that's investigation. When you are the watch at night and you're just scanning the area for moving shadows, obviously that's Perception. not... Yeah, that's not investigation. Yeah. And again, this is... In this case, I don't feel like it is making... Uh, trying to improve a, a bad skill or an underperforming skill, but just give it more of its own identity. Yep. Because I think perception, uh, again, 
wider net it casts as far as usefulness, and I think it steals away some of the usefulness and identity uh, from investigation. So uh, the last two that we're going to talk about, and really it's going to be four, um, but we're going to it's two pairs we'll call it, um, are not are, are almost on the opposite end of the spectrum. These are heavily used skills, but I think that when we're talking about the worst skills, I think that these two are so close in certain areas that they overlap too much. Yeah, this is a case of where with these other skills, we feel like they should be allowed to be used more or as a substitute for another skill. I think these skills are used as substitutes too often and should be dialed back and be used more for this one thing or this other thing. Yeah, so we're talking about the pairing of athletics and acrobatics, and we're talking about the pairing of animal handling and nature, which is obviously the weaker of the two pairings. Animal handling is specific, but so often you got that druid, and he has he's in tuned with the forest, or he's in tuned with the caverns, and you come across a creature, he's like, oh, I want to roll a nature check. That's where I think we're having that that flip-flop of what's my highest stat in this and ignore the other one. And, and I think with nature animal handling specifically, because they are, it's, it's less of an obvious uh, comparison than athletics and acrobatics. I think that's kind of a case of perception versus investigation again, where... Nature may tell you the general gist of what the animal is, but any sort of, as soon as you try to interact with it, like you may know that is a dire wolf and it is, you know, much sturdier. It does this a little bit different behavior wise. That could, I would argue, could still be under nature. But as soon as you try to interact with that animal at all, nature is not on the table as an option. And on the flip side, say you have that stack of proficiency in animal handling and you're like what is this creature i think that's where it starts to come back into like okay well this skill lets you commune with that creature easier it doesn't necessarily give you a a reference uh, uh knowledge in your in your mind for that creature right it's like you may know general animal behavior and you may know a lot of techniques to try and calm a wild animal but if you don't know the nature of this creature in general, you don't know if that's going to work. You can try, and it may work because you are skilled in animal handling, but you're not going to know that if you approach this this creature that it's going to take it as a sign of hostility and bite off your hand when you offer it the, the yeah. morsel of food. Exactly. Right? So there's a... There's, a, I think, a very clear separation there, but I think so often the player... This is why I say worse skill. I think that it's worse skill in this case per individual because always there's the one, and then you try to use that one and completely ignore the other one as your character for the rest of the time, and I don't like that. The other one, and this is the one where it gets yeah, really this bad. This is the big one and where people are... This is the one where people are probably going to argue the most, I would say. So let me pose to you a situation. Uh, you're faced with a, a chasm... You have to cross. You are a monk. What are you going to do? As a monk, I'm going to say I'm going to use my acrobatics and leap over the chasm. Even and, and I think that's exactly right. That's what almost every player is going to do. Except that the rules state that for jumping distances, an athletic skill is required. However, you get around that by saying, well, like, 
acrobatics is for like flipping and stuff so I do some flips in the air while I'm jumping across the cavern so now it's acrobatics. There's always that reason that you can do that instead, right? And that gets, to me, it, it's, it, it became annoying and then it became I just give up in some instances, right? Like what either one that you want to roll, I know if you're a dex character you're going to roll acrobatics and if you're a strength character you're going to roll uh, athletics and to some extent that's fine. I like I mean, you're different characters. You should be doing things in different ways. And and this is another one that's going to be subjective because I think we agree on most of these. Um, so and I'm I'm curious to see what you're going to think when I I use this as an example. But yeah. I would say climbing a rope is one that I am more willing to take for either one. It mm. should fall under athletics. Yes. Again, because you're using strength to pull yourself up. But I would argue that if you go to a Cirque du Soleil show. Yeah for example, yeah. uh, and they're doing the, the ribbon dancing thing where they're they're doing all of that, you would still say that they are acrobats. Yeah. And that is why I'm more willing to take something like that under both than, than some others, but it is something that should fall under athletics. And that's, this is just an area where I'm not saying you should draw hard lines in the sand and, and say these only on this side, these only on that, the other. But I do think that pulling, sometimes you want, you need, I feel like, to make that paladin or that barbarian roll an acrobatics roll because that's what's required here. And on the flip side, you need to make that rogue or that bard or that whoever, monk, roll that athletics roll because that's what's required here. And as much as you can use some flowery language or make up a ridiculous scenario where your thing might be applicable. If they want to do that, then make that DC so much higher, right? Mm -hmm. If a monk's going to flip across the chasm to avoid getting that thing, say, okay, the acrobatics DC is 18. The athletics DC is 14. So do you really have a proficiency bonus of plus four? You know, and that's not... I don't think that's being mean. It's saying, like, dude, it's obviously easier to jump across the chasm than it is to flip across. I think using that as an example, you could say, yeah, uh, a flip is great when you're trying to get around this enemy without taking an attack of opportunity and you're kind of dodging and flipping out of the way, right? That's not going to help you jump further. It just means you're you're nimble and kind, kind of adjust position or maybe get over this one guy so you're in position yeah. to do something with another couple of guys. So I, I think there is still a distinction between the two and I think it's important to while not rule out everything to cut down the amount of things we allow through with both of these skills because it winds up never mattering and so there's never any risk in having one over the other. Yep. And that's what we're looking for. Guys, hopefully our discussion here has given you some opportunity to think about the different skills, how you can utilize each skill individually more, bring up those lesser use skills into the highlight at times by um, giving them maybe that, that lesser DC role by encouraging specialization within your characters, within your players. I know this was a little bit longer episode than usual, but I think that's okay. I think we've had a good discussion here. I think we're going to sign off for today and we will see you next week. Yep, we'll see you.